0: The Protestant Reformation, researching the historical progress of human liberty and defending the rights of individual conscience against absolute internationalist tyranny. Thank you for your support. And so now you're back with the Looking Glass Forum, and we have an interesting subject matter today. And it's a topic that really we've been building up to in the progression of all these different episodes. And it's a kind of a topic that I'm more comfortable uh, you know, discussing as we move forward. And it's something you should know more about. You should have more information about how the world works around you and the things that are going on. And really, you're a consumer. You're an intellectual consumer. You're really a tourist on some level. And accepting the world as it is and accepting the, the world's present formation and status quo as the certitude of a system... Of uh, civilization and society that you just have to accept, and we have to all kind of take sides in this this process of whether we're going to be dissenters or whether we're going to be conformists and join in, or what what kind of stand we're going to take. Are we going to mask up and scowl at the people who re- resist the masks? So I mean, this is it's a simple psychological paradigm, but we're all I think stuck in the in the same condition, and and, it, and I think everyone is kind of startled that worldwide on a globalist level, these different mandates are coming down to us through the international order. It doesn't matter if you're in Afghanistan or or if you're in Peru or if you're in Canada or Japan. Everyone's dealing with this internationalist order that's trying to stifle us and tell us what we can and cannot do and try to turn us all into this kind of same internationalist plantation. And I mentioned before that I think that we're all being suited for Uyghur camps. I mean, how much gunpowder do you have? Not enough, right? And so the State Department and these weird, you know, alphabet soup organizations are buying up all the ammo. And today, maybe they did it under Bush, but now they have the ammo now under Biden. And you can see the danger of a, a federal Leviathan, a, a, a tyrannical government that can't be controlled. And is now just trying to find a way to crop and measure and limit and cull the populace itself all for the better good of whatever presupposition that they want to put forward. And so that's really what we're dealing with. We're dealing with this idea of the Luciferian brotherhood and the idea that there is an order out there. And it kind of what brings us back to the issue of Albert Pike because he made it so obvious and these acolytes and these sycophants and these worshipers and these secret societies were so kind of like enamored and, Enthralled by his sorcery, and there's either, there's warlocks to come forward like Aleister Crowley and the, the kind of people who are from the the, the right family bloodlines and who end up becoming spiritual instruments, if you will. It, you know, like a seance, like imagine a medium, like they, they make themselves available to this the progression and the idealism of the intellectual pursuit of the Luciferian goal, and so ultimately Luciferians are going to see this issue of the paradigm between the the great creator God of Israel and um, they're gonna look for a higher God they're going to create this idea of this ultimate unspeakable Sophia this divine light of wisdom that's older and greater than the God of Israel who is kind of terrestrial and bound to blood covenants these are the kind of this is the kind of ideology that comes out of theosophy when we look back at individuals like, Annie Besant and Alice Bailey and Helena Blavatsky, and these are all individuals who are tied in with the you know the the, the female orders of, of, of fraternity who you know ultimately become the Order of the Eastern Stars, and it's this kind of witchcraft, if you will. And you have to remember that that load the word's a, a loaded word, and the, the most important part of the word witchcraft is the word craft, and it, and it's understanding the craft, and witchcraft really harkens to a question of uh, like a grammar issue because it's not, no, nobody is a witch because a witch is like a where or a what or a who or a when. Which way did you go? Which direction did you go east or west? And witchcraft is, is pointing to this separation in the duality of nature the black and white magic or witchcraft did you use? Did you use white, white craft or black craft? And the, the idea that there's a, a branching or a deviation in the pathway and, and, it, and that one can go on. And it suggests that there's multiple paths. And so really, we, we have to recognize that the priestcraft is the more important terminology. And we're not looking for those who are witches, who are or who's, or when's, or what's, those who are choosing one direction or another, who believe themselves to be part of a system of duality, or black and white um, separation and chaos. And that's why they... You have the term of bringing order into chaos. And you have the uh, the back into the Garden of Eden, you have this idea of uh, the knowledge of between good and evil. And that's really what this is all going to, this idea that there's a third way, and the Lucifer was this third way that helped us to solve the problem of between the black and the white that uh, the, the God of the Bible uh, was was trouble similarly really bringing along. So in order to understand the, 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 this nature of Luciferian teachings, we have to go into the whole issue of the United Nations and the Lucis Trust Publishing House and ex- explaining more deeply how our system of international world order was actually founded, founded in the first place just going to drop into some discussion here by Jorg Glisman. And like I said, guys, we have to work really hard to bring you some of these discussions. So it's not just me reading from pamphlets or just reading from articles or reading from books and just get, getting just one kind of perspective. These are other people who are offering a lot more historical background, a lot more knowledge and education bringing that to the table. So in order to further this, we're, we're discussing this huge occult uh, doctrine. that comes in the books of these individuals that we're discussing here. And one of the books is called The Secret Doctrine and the other one is called The Externalization of the Hierarchy. And these are deeply occult books and we've been building up in all these episodes to get to this point where we could really discuss this and understand theosophy and the Luciferian Doctrine. So let's listen to, once again, Jörg Glismann.
1: Actually, it's a 10-point point plan by Alice Bailey for a new world order. Wow if you are listening to and you have no idea who Alice Bailey is, well, then just Google her name, Alice Bailey. Google Madame Blavatsky, Google Albert Pike. and they are all interconnected, absolutely people, they are all interconnected. To the philosophical movement and the uh, new age movement and then Madame Blavatsky was the mother of the theory. Uh, Theosophical movement, uh, as I pronounced that right? Absolutely. Yeah. And then the you took a lot of her work over, and uh, Madame Blavatsky wrote interesting books like ISIS Revealed, something everybody interested in the account should know. Uh, not the whole book, because I think that was very hard to get, but at least it doesn't exist and watch videos about people who uh, who make this, so when you when you Google ISIS reveals, you will get a lot of information on them when you have any idea what all these people in the new age movement is all about. And this absolutely does not take us away from where we are talking first about, about the justice, because you have to understand they are all behind it, but this is something you will see at the end of this broadcast. are in the traditional today Christian concept. Right. So then we go on to point three, <clears throat> quote, remove restrictions on sex. Sex is the biggest joy, and Christianity robs people of this. People must be freed to enjoy its sex without restrictions. It is not just for marriage; it's for everybody. Use the media to influence mass opinion, create mass opinion that is receptive. To these values by using TV film, the press, etc. Note well, what Western believers call normal in the African church would be pornography. Polygraph- end quote. Yeah. So the media is absolutely loaded with films that promote all of the above. Uh, I said that already a little bit earlier when I stated about uh, magazines, uh, TV series, uh, any any movie that you can watch in the cinema, whatever, it's, it's all full of these relations, you know. Right. Um, and of course, mass media is used for that, and therefore it is very interesting to know that mass media is concentrated like right, in the United States of America, by my, as far as my knowledge goes, for moment, there are, I think, five people on the top of the, all, all the media. Right. Um, you have Rupert Murdoch who is a knight of Malta, you have uh, Ted Turner who founded CNN who is a knight of Malta. Um, uh, so, you know, even when they say Hollywood is run by the Jews, um, that is right, when you look at the, uh, at the, at the people that put out there, but behind them are people like whether it's Knights of Malta or it's the Knights of, um, uh, Knights of Columbus or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because America is strong with the Knights of Columbus, but they are not so, so far in Hollywood. I think it's, it's
2: uh, the Knights of Malta mostly for all. But they are actually behind this. And all these faithful knighthoods
1: are controlled by the Jesuits. Absolutely. Wow, oh, we're almost an hour in, uh, on air and uh, haven't mentioned the Jesuits yet. So about <laughs> <time>. <laughs> it's about time uh, to come back to that point. But you know, all these all these points here when we're reading this, um, and, and now we, we still have two to go. Um, but still, I want to remind you of something else. When you read these ten commandments, when here, and then you go back a little bit into time, and then you read something on the internet that is called. Um, the Protocols of the uh, Learned Elders of Zion. I think you've probably heard of that. Right? Yeah. That is a document that is by um, uh, many people rejected as being a flaw, but by people who really
0: study it, it's known that Jesuits called Abbe Bruel ruled these. So, your Glisman is going through and doing a couple of quotes from some of these books, ISIS Unveiled. The Secret Doctrine and the externalization of the hierarchy are these incredibly fascinating occult books that are really describing, they go back to the 1920s and um, the 1930s when these books were written and this whole entire doctrine was kind of espoused. And you can see that they were high-level occultists at the time, and they were tied in with the internationalist cabal because a lot of the exact things that they were discussing, these technologies were developed, and the, the program and the conspiracy to use propaganda was developed, and the move towards a one-world program of absolute control was implemented through the United Nations. And you have to understand that Lucas Trust is the foundation and core NGO around which the entire United Nations system is built. And so it was Lucifer Publishing Company and they changed the name to Lucifer Trust. And you need to look into theosophy. So that's what we're gonna discuss. We're gonna kinda start to break this down more and more. We can see that York Glisman is well aware that the international system was invented. Early on by the likes of Helena Blavatsky and Albert Pike And they were working in these Freemasonic circles And operating with these high occult European uh, power brokers And international moneyed banking houses And they were all part of these ideas of how the, the world really is An emanation of Lucifer's spirit and divine light and that the God of the Jews and the God of Israel is really this profane, fallen, dark demon who should be destroyed. And it goes to reason, it stands to reason that if you have to destroy the, the God of the Jews, that you have to destroy the Jews. And this is the root of anti-Semitism. So it's kind of an elaborate and convoluted subject matter that it really isn't part of your day. It's not something that you, as a regular uh Republican and common citizen of the world will really understand. But these high-level part Uniparty in Washington, D.C., the Party of Davos, the World Economic Forum individuals are operating on this platform. They've developed it to such a high level. You have to understand that when Alice Bailey was inventing the new world order and the spiritual system that would go along with it, and the revelation of the of the occult esoteric schools and mystery schools would merge with the church. And this is the idea of ISIS unveiled. Because they're beginning to worship Mary, and you have to understand, it wasn't until the 1800s when Mary was raised to this place of being a mediatrix within the Roman Catholic system. It was very late in the last, you know, a couple hundred years. So the first, you know, 1800 years of Catholic ideology and, and canon law and theological teaching didn't necessarily elevate Mary to a place where you would now pray to her. Same thing with the Pope. It wasn't until the 1800s when the Pope was also elevated to the status of being immutable and infallible and and divine, so that his word is infallible and and he he cannot err in, in in the matters of running the world. And and, ordinating the commands of heaven on earth and all these things that the the papacy is supposed to be doing. So you have to understand that the Jesuit order was well discussed by Helena Blavatsky. And they knew the, the Jesuit order very well. And Alice Bailey, they were actually working a lot of these doctrines into their occult system. And that's what's going to be revealed here. So in order to further make the point, we're going to do a little bit of a closer look at Alice A. Bailey and take a look at her role in the creation of this new esoteric world religion that we're seeing coming across the world stage. Alice A. Bailey lived from 1880
3: to 1949 and spent most of her time as a teacher and writer on themes of the occult, astrology, spirituality, and theosophy. She stated that the majority of her books were telepathically channeled through her by a spirit being who she believed to be a master of wisdom. Initially, she just referred to the being as the Tibetan, or by the initials DK. Later, she called it Jual Kul. She showed the same kind of mental disturbance That we've seen in other occultists in the past. As a child, Bailey was deeply unhappy and attempted suicide on three occasions. Once when she was five, then when she was eleven, and the third time at an unspecified time before the age of fifteen. It was after this third attempt, aged fifteen, on June the thirtieth, eighteen ninety-five, that she was apparently visited by a stranger who told her that she needed to develop self-control in preparation for certain work that was planned for her to do. Coming from an Anglican background, she initially believed this man to be Jesus, but later identified him as a spirit called Master Kutumi. after she went to the occult Theosophical Society and saw a portrait of him hanging on the wall. Theosophists believed that this spirit had previous incarnations and that one of them was Pythagoras, who you might remember was an influence on Plato, and also St. Francis of Assisi, amongst others. As a result of this, St. Francis of Assisi has been named the patron saint of the United Nations. You may also remember that St. Francis of Assisi was one of the main inspirations for Ignatius Loyola. On top of this, it's also on St. Francis Day that thousands flock to the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York City for the mocking Blessing of the Beast ceremony. You may also remember that the UN chose San Francisco, which is Spanish for St. Francis, as the location for the first UN meeting and charter signing. Plus, the town of San Francisco is known for being especially liberal and permissive. I haven't done any research into St. Francis, so I don't know why he keeps popping up and why he holds such a special place in the hearts of occultists, but there is clearly some reason for these links. Because Alice Bailey initially thought this demonic spirit was Jesus, we see once again the ability of Satan to disguise himself as an angel of light. In earlier life, Bailey was married to an Episcopalian minister, but after it failed, she severed ties with her Christian heritage altogether and remarried a 32nd degree Freemason, Foster Bailey. Together, they founded the esoteric magazine, The Beacon, and started a company called The Lucifer Trust. This organization was created to manage the business of publishing her 25 demonically channeled books. They later changed its name to The Lucis Trust to hide its true meaning. This Lucis Trust is today another key NGO for the United Nations. As a subsidiary to the Lucis Trust, they also created the World Goodwill Organization to help mobilize the energy of goodwill to cooperate in the work of preparation for the reappearance of the Christ, to educate public opinion on the causes of the major world problems, and to help create the thought form of the solutions. She also used the Lucis Trust to find something called the Arcane School, which gives a series of courses on her views on karma, reincarnation, and the divine nature of man. The school uses typical hierarchical degrees of esoteric knowledge. As is to be expected of anyone driven by the hidden hand of Satan, she also had the telltale hatred for the Jewish people, referring to them as the Jewish problem. Now, from that background, you can probably tell that her teaching is not going to be good, but here are some quotes. She wrote, I dedicate myself and you to the service of the coming one, and will do all I can to prepare men's minds and hearts for that event. I have no other life intention. Now, when occultists talk about a coming one, or even use the term Christ, or cosmic Christ, they are not referring to Jesus, who in their inverted version of events is the evil one. To them... The Christ is in fact Lucifer, the Antichrist. This is the one for whom they wait, and the one who they are preparing the world to receive. Indeed, she clarifies this when she writes, The Tibetan has asked me to make clear that when he is speaking of the Christ, he is referring to his official name as head of the hierarchy. The Christ works for all men, irrespective of their faith. He does not belong to the Christian world any more than to the Buddhist or Mohammedan or any other faith. There is no need for any man to join the Christian church in order to be affiliated with Christ. The requirements are to love your fellow men, lead a disciplined life, recognize the divinity in all faiths and all beings, and rule your daily life with love. So here we see her demonic spirit guide telling her to promote the idea that all faiths are equal and there is no single faith that is exclusively true. These are the ideas that are built into Robert Mueller's World Core Curriculum. Alice A. Bailey wrote that when their Antichrist comes, first of all, he will come to a world which is essentially one world. So they believe that they have to create this one world order in order to prepare the way for their Antichrist. That's what the UN are doing. Bailey goes on to say, The major effect of his appearance will surely be to demonstrate in every land the effects of a spirit of inclusiveness, an inclusiveness which will be channeled or expressed through him. All who seek right human relations will be gathered automatically to him, whether they are in one of the great world religions or not. She then goes on to say, All who see no true or basic difference between religion and religion, or between man and man, or nation and nation, will rally round him. Those who embody the spirit of exclusiveness and separateness will stand automatically and equally revealed, and all men will know them for what they are. So the Antichrist will have all the world's religions rallying around him and finding in him their shared Babylonian origins, which will unite them all. But yet she talks distastefully about another group of people at this time, who will be exclusive and separated from the group. Who will these people be? The ones that don't conform. Those of the Judeo-Christian heritage, of course. We who adhere to the only faith that is genuinely different and which isn't rooted in Babylon. As you might imagine... We who are seen to be opposing this world peace and not joining in the unity will be seen as hateful and intolerant. We therefore will be hated and despised and persecuted for not conforming to the crowd. This spirit of inclusiveness, as she calls it, is already on show in the world today, but it will grow stronger. As the world pools together in a one-world system, Christians who are brave enough not to conform will increasingly be isolated and separated. Bailey herself confirmed that all religions emanate from the same spiritual source and that one day everyone would come to realise this. As they do so, she predicted that the world would see the emergence of a universal world religion and new world order. She said that this was no distant dream, but was actually happening even in her own time. She wrote, There will not be any dissociation between the universal church, the sacred lodge of all true masons and the inner circles of the esoteric societies. In this way, the goals and work of the United Nations shall be solidified, and a new church of God, led by all the religions and by all the spiritual groups, shall put an end to the great heresy of separateness. All forms of Freemasonry and all the false religions and philosophies of the world that have their roots in Babylon will one day come together under a single banner. This is the essence of postmodernism. People are moving away from outright atheism and returning to ancient religion. Bailey refers specifically to the United Nations again, saying, Evidence of the growth of the human intellect along the needed receptive lines can be seen in the planning of various nations and in the efforts of the United Nations to formulate a world plan. From the very start of this unfoldment, three occult factors have governed the development of all these plans. Bailey doesn't reveal what these... Three occult factors are, but the main point is that she is explicitly revealing the occult nature of the UN and their plans to implement a one-world religious system. She again goes on to say, Within the United Nations is the German seed of a great international and meditating, reflective group, a group of thinking and informed men and women in whose hands lie the destiny of humanity. This is largely under the control of many fourth-ray disciples, if you could but realize it, and their point of meditative focus is the intuitional or buddhic plane, the plane upon which the hierarchical activity is today to be found. Again, I don't know too much about this astrological system of which she speaks, and I don't think we need to go too much into it, but it's interesting that this fourth-ray discipline has the name Harmony Through Conflict, and is connected with the moon. So she's basically referring to the Hegelian principle and Asherah. And because we've always looked at the sun and moon in tandem, The sun in this astrological system of Baileys apparently belongs to the secondary which represents seeing beyond differences into unifying principles, again a feature of our time. Remember, Robert Muller said that the basis of his educational ideas came from Alice A. Bailey. These are the ideas that the UN gave him an award for, and these are the ideas that the UN wants to be filtered into every school around the world so that coming generations of children will grow up with this mindset.
0: So I think the Fuel Project does a good job of breaking down some of the background details about Alice Bailey there. We're going to go a little bit more into it. We have another interesting little segment that they're going to add into this record here. So let's take a listen to some more of the Fuel Project as they break down the initiative for united religious programs through the United Nations. And in the parlance of secret societies, this is really the New Age agenda and you have to remember that the Scottish Rite magazine used to be called New Age that was the Freemasonic magazine and it really refers to the approach of the Aquarian Age or moving out of the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius so when we look um, through Stonehenge if you will, when we look through on Easter morning we can see that the a new constellation is coming into the sky as the cosmic wheel so to speak, it's the progression the procession of the equinox, so it's the progression of our polar north position, um, depending on where you're at on the hemisphere there, the the northern hemisphere. And really, obviously, the progression is going to be relative to wherever you're at. But as we have a slow degradation within the orbit of the Earth over 70,000 years or so, uh, you can see that the, the horizon is showing a spinning wheel of constellations coming into view. So... You know every twelve thousand years or so, we're moving several degrees forward in the progression of the zodiac and the constellations overhead. So coming into view at this, the at the high uh, summer solstice point of the uh, you know with the priestcraft of the sun worshipers that goes back to ancient times, so these are the ancient mysteries, so to speak, we're watching the age of Aquarius come into view. So in order to say some more about that, let's listen to the fuel project once again here.
3: One of Alice A. Bailey's predecessors in the Theosophical Society, in fact one of the co-founders, was Helena Blavatsky, and amongst her books were Isis Unveiled and The Secret Doctrine. From that latter book she says, Lucifer represents life, thought, progress, civilization, liberty, independence. Lucifer is the Logos, the serpent, the savior. She later said, It is Satan who is the real God of our planet, and the only God. She also said, The celestial virgin which thus becomes the mother of God and devils at one at the same time, for she is the ever-loving beneficent deity. But in antiquity and in reality, Lucifer or Luciferius is the name. Lucifer is the divine and terrestrial light, the Holy Ghost and Satan at one and the same time. In it she also confirms that the different names for the mystery gods and goddesses are the same being by different names, saying, Now we have but to remember that Shiva and the Palestinian Baal, or Moloch, and Saturn are identical. Helena Blavatsky has many followers of her teaching. Some who are known to be fans of her books were Adolf Hitler, Alistair Crowley, Mahatma Gandhi, Elvis Presley, and William Butler Yeats. Her dying words were, keep the link unbroken, do not let my last incarnation be a failure. Her immediate successor was Annie Besant, and then following her came Alice A. Bailey, who in turn became the source of inspiration to Robert Mueller, who in turn became the spiritual figurehead in the United Nations. They've all been links in a chain and they knew it. So we understand what Robert Mueller means when he boasts that the United Nations is not a man-made creation, but is primarily a spiritual organisation with a spiritual source no human force will ever be able to destroy the united nations for the united nations is not a mere building or a mere idea it is not a man-made creation the united nations is the vision light of the absolute supreme which is slowly steadily and unerringly illuminating the ignorance the night of our human life The divine success and supreme progress of the United Nations is bound to become a reality. At his choice hour, the Absolute Supreme will ring his own victory bell here on earth through the loving and serving heart of the United Nations. Again, his Absolute Supreme isn't the Christian Absolute Supreme, but is instead the Antichrist. Robert Mueller proudly says here that the United Nations ideal will never be destroyed by any human force because it wasn't created by man but by Lucifer. Now on the subject, the Bible actually agrees it won't be a human force that brings down the system. It will be Jesus himself who crushes it into nothingness and blows it away like chaff in the wind. And as Daniel 2.44 then says, The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. Robert Mueller wrote ominously in Dispatch magazine in June 2001, Do not worry if not all religions will join the United Religions Organization. Many nations did not join the UN at its beginning, but later regretted it, and made every effort to join. It was the same with the European community, and it will be the case with the world's religions, because whoever stays out or aloof will sooner or later regret it. It might be just me, but there seems to be a hint of menace in those words. It's as though he's saying, if we don't sway you with the plan A tactics, then be sure that plan B tactics will follow later. If you don't conform, you're going to regret it. You will be a part of the system one way or the other. The Bible also tells us that these tactics will indeed unfortunately work on many Christians. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. We are already seeing this happening, and that's one reason why I think it's so important to learn this information, so that we see what the enemy is up to and don't fall into the trap. Alice Bailey confirms that it will be the Babylonian mysteries that unite the religion, saying, Other steps will also be taken in this department of religions and of education, over which the Christ rules, and he will move to restore the ancient spiritual landmarks, to eliminate that which is non-essential, and to reorganize the entire religious field, again in preparation for the restoration of the mysteries. These mysteries, when restored, will unify all faiths. She goes on to explicitly say, The day is dawning when all religions will be regarded as emanating from one great spiritual source. All will be seen as unitedly providing the one root out of which the universal world religion will inevitably emerge. Then there will be neither Christian nor heathen, neither Jew nor Gentile, but simply one great body of believers gathered out of all the current religions. They will accept the same truths not as theological concepts, but as essential to spiritual living. They will stand together on the same platform of brotherhood and of human relations. They will recognize divine sonship and will seek unitedly to cooperate with the divine plan. Such a world's religion is no idle dream, but something which is definitely forming today. Robert Mueller once more. The world's major religions must speed up dramatically their ecumenical movement, and recognise the unity of their objectives in the diversity of their cults. Religions must actively cooperate to bring to unprecedented heights a better understanding of the mysteries of life and of our place in the universe. My religion, right or wrong, and my nation, right or wrong, must be abandoned forever in the planetary age. Robert Mueller suggested that religions should unite under the authority of the Pope, saying, We must also hope that the Pope will come before the year 2000 to the United Nations, speak for all the religions and spiritualities on this planet, and give the world the religious view of how the third millennium should be a spiritual millennium, a millennium which will see the integration and harmony of humanity. The Catholic Church, of course, creates the power that would come from having the world under the authority of the Pope. In 1917 in Fatima, Portugal, There was famously an apparition of Mary that appeared to three children, saying, You have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. Notice she said devotion to her Immaculate Heart, not devotion to God. I think we've heard enough now about the United Nations to know what it's up to, but let's make one last stop before we conclude the UN section. Dag Hammarskjöld was responsible for establishing this meditation room in the middle of the UN. He said, The stone in the middle of the room has more to tell us. We may see it as an altar, empty, not because there is no God, not because it is an altar to an unknown God, but because it is dedicated to the God whom man worships under many names and in many forms. He also said, The meditation room faces northeast. To enter the room, One must proceed from darkness to light. As well as having an abstract mural which you may be able to do some symbol hunting on, the room is in the shape of a trapezoid. The middle order of Satanism, set up by Anton Lavey, is called the Order of the Trapezoid. He refers to an occult principle known as the Law of the Trapezoid. The trapezoid has long been regarded by occultists as a shape that is especially adapted
0: to enhance demonic manifestation. So you can see over at the Fuel Project they have the same difficulty because we're trying to make a point and elaborate different aspects of history and you end up going down on a tangent about the order of the trapezoid and a highly uh, satanic Luciferian cult group that you would have known nothing about. You have to be a super nerd on some level to really care about this stuff. But a lot of these, a lot of these young men like this, are going to be very interested in understanding how it is that your enemy operates. Knowing your enemy is called is the series. And so they're going to take it very uh, to the next level of you know researching these these books that you know you and I might not never have time to go and read. But these guys are they're antagonized by the movements of, of a new world order. It's dedicated to Lucifer because they're Christians, they're honest Christian men who believe their Bible. And so they're gonna make sure that they these, this information isn't just kind of passed over. And you will go in the library and there's 14 million books. And how do you ever really know what to spend your time on. So this is a way of having cliff notes, of breaking it down to a little bit faster. And you can see that he is going to make sure that if you follow up in his series that he lets you know all about the United Religion, a Religious Initiative and how it ties in with the Vatican. And, and we were saying these are all different really clever theological and ideological frameworks for the Vatican to just move its program forward in the name of other other groups. So they really hide their true program, and their true um, initiatives, in, in in the guise of other groups that they're they're funding and really giving a platform historically and in publishing and in these kind of international ideas. We're going back to the idea of Nimrod. So if you really follow these guys and their discussion to a deep level, they're trying to refound. The, the limitless, borderless, one-world system that Nimrod uh, founded, of course, it fell apart in his hands um, at the Tower of Babel. And the same thing happened with Pharaoh during the Passover, which is something we discussed recently. How a lot of these you know, Christians today are being fooled into taking incorrectly the message that the Lord left about you know, eating and drinking the Passover, Okay, it's not something you take lightly, and it's not something you do foolishly, and that's what you're seeing in a lot of ways. It's becoming a weekly Romanist communion ritual that people are participating in, just like with the Christmas tree. But getting back to this whole subject of theosophy, you have to recognize that there are certain groups out there, certain ancient esoteric uh, ritualists who are, perhaps they're very, very wealthy, and they have a lot of time on their hands, and they're... Uh, extremely educated, and they know how to create and invent whole ideological idea viruses, it, 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 you know, ideological traps that people aren't able to escape. It reminds me of Jack Parsons' laboratory, the JPL, Jet Propulsion Laboratory, I mean, and the connections with L. Ron Hubbard. If you go back, how they, these guys were getting really turned on by the peer culture of elitist, internationalist, occult practitioners who are engaged in doing all this ritual magic and you see the same thing at the foundation of the Mormons you see the same thing at the foundation of Scientology and you see the same thing at the foundation of Theosophy and these are really high level black and white occult magic groups and they're they're, they're practicing ritual magic and they're trying to commune and trying to to have uh, ways of being a medium for spiritual forces and they're trying to bring about the next iteration of prophecy and spiritual enlightenment onto the earth and that's how they get all these pronouncements and write all these books and they, they seem to be trying to channel different spiritual kutumi and different Luciferian masters of wisdom and these different kind of ideologies, they have these different well manicured spiritual hierarchies that they paint that are in the background um, you know. and, and so it's, it's a very colorful and vivid occult esoteric reading club from the 1900s And, and it's amazing how much power their visions have been given to in order to really start to shape the future and that's where it comes in with the united nations see in the background of Alice Bailey and Helena Blavatsky are the the 32nd and the 33rd degree Freemason orders. They're they're partnered up with them. So you can see that these are really the female side of Freemasonry and the Order of the Eastern Stars and the different mystery schools that they actually invented like Theosophy, like the OTO. That's how you'll tie in occult practitioners like Aleister Crowley, who's so famous for being a Satanist, to high level Masonic orders like the Knights of Malta and, and that's how, how these the secret orders like OTO come into play and you have to recognize that their process of creating these mystery schools is, is very elaborate and the process is very arcane in the way they're using uh, mind control and it, and you have to recognize that a lot of the secrets that Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard acquired were things that they learned with the CIA and being organized and, and associated with the OTO lodge and a lot of these high-level magical practice and the idea that they could these were men who were who were creating jet propulsion science but they also were practicing Luciferian magic and they were expecting results and um, everyone knows that Jack Parsons was was killed and that L. Ron Hubbard left with all the money and the boat and the women and to start Scientology and you can't put these these orders of secret societies like Mormonism you can't in Scientology and the you can't really put them into a box and comprehend the level of power and sophistication and the depth of their wealth and the people that are behind them supporting them. It's incredible. So in order to really kind of go into this a little bit further, we have this, this uh, fellow here who's doing a basic reading. He's going to do a, a reading about Alice Bailey. So let's just have a listen to this little historical background.
4: Alice Bailey was a theosophist who took up where Madame Blavatsky had, let off, had left off in terms of receiving demonic channel messages that turned into lengthy occult books. Her books are considered just as important as Blavatsky's to the New Age movement. In 1920, Alice married another theosophist, alleged 33rd degree Freemason Foster Bailey. Foster Bailey was also her co-conspirator in founding what was originally called the Lucifer Publishing Company in 1922 to help distribute her occult books. In 1923, they started the Arcane School to teach disciples how to further the Great Plan through the melding of all religions. Due to public outcry regarding the overt reference to their Luciferian agenda, they shortened the name of their publishing company to Lucis Trust, which still operates today, pumping out hundreds of various New Age books. The Lucis Trust also publishes and distributes United Nations books and propaganda, and maintains the meditation room inside the UN. Bailey, through her demonic spirit guide, Joao Kuhl, gives us great insight as to the Freemasons' affiliation with the ancient Great Plan, quote, The Masonic movement is the custodian of the law, the holder of the mysteries, and the seat of initiation, a far more occult organization than can be realized, intended to be the training school for coming advanced occultists, unquote. If some of these quotes don't, you know, prove that the Freemasons are very, a very important part of this puzzle, then I I don't know what else to say. All right. Alice Bailey also tells us through channeled information from her spirit guide, the truly evil agenda of Freemasonry. Quote, There is no question, therefore, that the work to be done in familiarizing the general public with the nature of the mysteries is of paramount importance at this time. These mysteries will be restored to outer expression through the medium of the Church in parentheses, New Age, One World Religion, and the Masonic Fraternity. When the Great One in parentheses, Nimrod Antichrist, comes with his disciples and initiates, we shall have the restoration of the mysteries and their exoteric presentation as a consequence of the first initiation, unquote. Bailey was an ardent proponent of the Great Plan, and her numerous quotes can be attributed to her view that a one-world government was a desired goal. Quote, What we need above all to see as a result of spiritual maturity is the abolition of those two principles which have wrought so much evil in the world, and which are summed up in the two words, sovereignty and nationalism, unquote.
0: So I'll include some more of these documents here, some of these little articles and videos and the clips here that we're trying to work with and you can see that they're going to go more into education and you can see that as they spelled it out in the 30s they're really getting the exact result now that they were going for and they planned all along to have this incredible level of dissension and reprobate, demoralization that's really staggering and making the country Future more perilous than ever See that they raise the United Nations As a program for The destruction of the, The order of national Sovereignty that exists in the world As you see it now I want to throw the whole subject over to Bill Cooper, so we're going back years. Remember that during the whole 9-11 fiasco, Bill Cooper was shot and killed, so that's how you can expect them to break down the, uh, the program of those who are going to question authority and to dissent against the, the, uh, the abrogation of our civil liberties and our constitutional rights in the name of some kind of new world international government agenda. So let's listen to Bill Cooper. He just has a fascinating way of being prescient and resonating the message throughout time. ...for anyone to
2: find if you'll just get off your butts and go to the library and start digging and looking and searching and reading and quit listening to what you're told including what you're told on this show. Remember my admonition is not to ever believe anything you hear from the mouth of anyone or that you read from the book written by anyone. Far from Dan Rather in the Six O'Clock News are the President of the United States, Archer Carter, Tom Valentine, Rush Limbaugh, the man who's sitting on half of his brain, far deep from even your own mother. For folks, the deception in this world right now that's being promulgated in order to bring about a one-world totalitarian socialist government is so deep that you better be standing on a stump or you might drown. Alice Bailey, One of the key members of the new age religion wrote this, quote, there is no question, therefore, that the work to be done in familiarizing the general public with the nature of the mysteries is of paramount importance at this time. These mysteries will be restored to outer expression through the medium of the church and the Masonic fraternity, unquote. And she's absolutely 100% correct. The question of just what the ancient mysteries were, folks, was answered in part by Albert G. Mackey, another 33rd degree Mason. He wrote a two-volume work entitled Encyclopedia of Freemasonry, and he wrote this under the subject of the ancient mysteries, quote, Each of the pagan gods, had, besides the public and open, a secret worship paid to him to which none were admitted but those who had been selected by preparatory ceremonies called initiation. This secret worship was termed the Mysteries, The student of the Masonic Order can know that when Mr. Mackey writes, his writings can be relied upon. He is considered to be one of the premier Masonic authors of all time. These are the comments from the biographical information presented on Mr. Mackey in the front of his encyclopedia. Quote, his writings are universally esteemed for their sincerity, honest records, and common sense. He was a leader in research who valued accuracy, unquote. Carl Cloudy, another Mason who writes on the subject of the Lodge, also has words of praise for Mr. Mackey, Quote, he was one of the greatest students and most widely followed authorities the Masonic world has ever known, Unquote. And in his book entitled Introduction to Freemasonry, he praised Mr. Mackey with these words, Quote, Albert Gallatin Mackey, one of the greatest students and most widely followed authorities the Masonic world has known. He is the great master of Freemasonry, unquote. So Mr. Mackey certainly can be believed when he tells his readers that the worship of pagan gods had a secret, non-visible worship besides the public one. A reader can believe him when he identifies the name of this secret worship. He told his readers, quote, This secret worship was termed The Mysteries, unquote. Another who has written about the subject of the ancient mysteries was Manley P. Hall, another 33rd degree mason whom I have quoted extensively before in this series. He has written in his book entitled, What the Ancient Wisdom Expects of Its Disciples. Quote, In the remote past, the gods walked with men, and they chose from among the sons of men the wisest and the truest. With these specially ordained and illumined sons, they left the keys of their great wisdom, which was the knowledge of good and evil. These illumined ones founded what we know as the ancient mysteries, Now, in case you weren't listening there, this is a dead giveaway and an admission That the gods that walked with men were known, at least in the Bible, as Satan. For he says here, and I'm going to read this again for you folks, because I know some of you just didn't pick it up, because I know how the minds of the sheeple operate, and there's a lot of sheeple listening. There's also a lot of people listening who aren't sheeple, and they know that I'm not talking to them. If the word sheeple applied to you makes you angry, then, folks, it is an indication that it fits you like a shoe, like a glove, that you are indeed one of the sheeple. Let me read it again. Quote, With these specially ordained and illumined sons, they left the keys of their great wisdom, which was the knowledge of good and evil. According to the Bible, The knowledge of good and evil was imparted to Adam when Satan enticed Eve to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge, and she, in turn, enticed Adam. And what was the fruit of the tree of knowledge? It was the knowledge of good and evil. It was forbidden for man to know that. Now, I'm not making judgment on any of this. I'm just telling you what my research says. Remember, this is not a religious program. And while I... Myself, personally, have my own idea of what my own religion is, but I'm in no means trying to foist it off on anyone else. Let me continue. He wrote, and we're talking about Manly P. Hall, 33rd Degree Freemason, he wrote additional comments about these mysteries in another of the books he has written called The Secret Teachings of All Ages. And I would urge you, if you can afford it, to buy that book. It's a very expensive book. I have a copy of it in my library. It cost me $150, and it was worth every single penny of it, I can assure you. Quote, The Arcana, defined as being a secret or hidden knowledge of the ancient mysteries, were never revealed to the profane, defined as those not initiated into the inner mysteries, except through the media of symbols. You're going to find, folks, that symbols mean more than you will ever begin to understand unless you've waded deep into the stream of the mystery Babylon, as I have. Quote, symbolism fulfilled the dual office of concealing the sacred truths from the uninitiated and revealing to those qualified to understand the symbols, unquote. Mr. Hall dedicated the latter book to, quote, the proposition that concealed within the emblematic figures, allegories, and rituals of the ancients is a secret doctrine concerning the inner mysteries of life, which doctrine has been preserved in toto, which means in the whole, among a small band of initiated minds since the very beginning of the world, unquote. He went on to mention that the mysteries, quote, were secret societies, binding their initiates to inviolable secrecy and avenging with death the betrayal of their sacred trusts, unquote, and to this day they take blood oaths. Mr. Hall told the reader that no one is to know the identity of those who have received the secrets. In fact, he wrote, quote, The true adept and initiate shall reveal his identity to no man unless that one is worthy to receive it. This is the existence of a secret and all important doctrine which from the time of the earliest civilizations had been concealed within the rituals, symbols, and allegories of religions and philosophies. Unquote. So, in summary, It is possible, folks, to understand what these ancient mysteries were. And there appears to be at least four truths gleaned from the information provided in the comments made previously. And these truths appear to be. One, the ancient mysteries had two forms of worshiping the same God. Two, the knowledge of the true God was reserved for those who had been entrusted with the secrets, and not for those whom they called the profane. Three, those who understood those secrets were sworn to the strictest secrecy. And four, those who had knowledge of the secrets claimed to possess all of the answers to all of the problems of mankind. Now, there was an additional secret
4: for the secret bearers. They had to be initiated in a private
2: initiation ceremony. Albert Pike, General Albert Pike, a southern Confederate general during the Civil War, wrote this. Quote, initiation was considered to be a mystical death, and the perfect epoch was then said to be regenerated, newborn, Restored to a renovated existence of life, light and purity. Quote. In the Indian mysteries, the third degree, the initiate is said to be born again. The ceremony in the ancient mysteries has been described by the Masonic writer Manley P. Hall. Quote. In the ancient system of initiation, the truth-seeker must pass through a second birth, and those who attained this exalted state were known thereafter as, quote, the twice-born, This new birth must be personally earned through a complete regeneration of character and conduct, unquote. This new birth ceremony involves a symbolic death, according to the mason Kenneth Mackenzie, and he wrote this, quote, In the ancient mysteries, the aspirant could not participate in the highest secrets until he had been placed in the coffin. In this, he was symbolically said to die, and his resurrection was to the light. Do you remember I told you about the initiation that George Bush underwent in the crypt, also known as the tomb, the skull and bones, the brotherhood of death at Yale University? This is what they're talking about. During a press conference, a reporter asked George Bush if he was a Christian, and he replied thusly, quote, if you're asking if I have been born again, the answer is yes, unquote. And indeed, he had. One day Masons participate in an almost similar ceremony to the one described by these Masonic writers. In the third degree, called the Master Mason degree, inside the Blue Lodge, the candidate is actually knocked off of his feet by several of the Masons in attendance. He is wrapped up in a blanket and moved to the western end of the temple. There, after further ceremony, he is raised up by a grip called the Master's Grip, or the Grip of the Lion's Paw. Those who learned the mysteries also learned that they had a secret project one that was described by Albert Pike in his book entitled Morals and Dogma Mr. Pike wrote this quote behold our object the end the result of the great speculations of antiquity, the ultimate annihilation of evil and restoration of man to his first estate by a redeemer, a messiah, a Christos, the incarnate word, reason, or power of deity, I urge you all, if you can find a copy of Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike, to purchase it, take it home, and read it. Mr. Hall told his readers that those who had been initiated into the mysteries were the secret power behind the governments of the past. He wrote this about these ancient initiates in his book entitled What the Ancient Wisdom Expects of Its Disciples. Quote, They are the invisible powers behind the thrones of earth, and men are but marionettes dancing while the invisible ones pull the strings. We see the answer, but the master mind that does the work remains concealed by the cloak of silence, unquote. Remember, I told you folks, that if you don't open your mind, and if you don't quit believing dogma, if you don't quit believing what people tell you, if you don't stop believing what Dan Rather tells you on the 6 o'clock news, or your local minister down at your church, or your mother, or the President of the United States, and if you don't start digging to find the truth yourself, you, you, the sheeple, are the marionettes, dancing while the invisible ones pull the strings. And until you change that pattern of your life, you will always be the puppet on the end of someone else's string. greatest secret of the secret society. Another writing of Manly P. Hall, was this, quote, Much of the ritualism of Freemasonry is based upon the trials to which candidates were subjected by the ancient Hierophants. Hierophant is defined as the high priest of the mysteries. Before the keys of wisdom were enthroned to them, unquote. The ancient mysteries had a beginning. According to Mr. Mackey, he wrote about where they started. Quote, the first of which are those of Isis and Osiris in Egypt. The most important of these mysteries were the Osiric in Egypt, unquote. Another writer, Edmund Ronane, an ex-Mason, confirmed that the Masons were involved in the worship of Osiris when he wrote this in his book entitled, The Master's Carpet, Quote, Masonry's ceremonies, symbols, and the celebrated legend of Hiram in the Master Mason's degree were directly borrowed from the ancient mysteries or the secret worship of Baal, Osiris, or Tammuz. Unquote. This is a direct admission that Freemasonry stems directly out of mystery Babylon, the ancient mystery religion, the worship of Baal, the golden calf, representative of the house during which that 2,000-year period the sun resided. The sun, the symbol of the light, Lucifer, the intellect, the gift, primordial knowing. Robert Pike then detailed where the mysteries went after their beginnings in Egypt. He wrote this in Morals and Dogma. Quote, From Egypt, the mysteries went to Phoenicia and were celebrated at Tyre. Osiris changed his name and became Adonai, or Dionysus, still the representative of the sun. In Greece and Sicily, Osiris took the name of Bacchus. So the ancient mysteries conceal an important mystery kept secret from the average person. The mystics
0: claim that this mystery has been concealed from the world for centuries. So I think that's fascinating that we have to have William Cooper as someone who's informing this whole discussion. And this is back to 1993, and he had all this subject matter well in hand. And you can see that as far as these ancient mystery uh, rites and the rituals that they go through, when you go into the Freemason Lodge, they, they have you uh, kneel down with your knee exposed, and they take a very sharp dagger and point it at your heart and you have to have your shirt open so that your bare chest is exposed and the tip of the the dagger is placed right at the point of your heart and and, and you're to swear the oath of keeping the secret at the threat of death so the dagger is always there it, it could even prick a little pin hole there in, in your flesh and maybe you bleed a little bit as a reminder that if you care to tell the secret that it could cost you your life. Now the point is, is that ultimately at the, the third level, the third degree when they Take the initiate and they hit him in the head and they wrap him up in, in the carpet and they bury him and he has the symbolic process of dying and being reborn. This is precisely what happens in the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ at the end of the Bible with the Antichrist because the Antichrist is struck with the sword and the sword ultimately kills the Antichrist and the Antichrist is reborn and this is the hierophant this is the the ritual process of you bringing someone back from the dead uh, kind of emblematic way the the way that the Messiah like Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead but this will be in the occult way through the occult Luciferian light at the end of time when the Antichrist goes through this process of the mysteries and we see that reflected there um, in that initiation rites. Now we're going to go on here and discuss just a little bit more. We have to get to Dr. Walter Veith who has to bring some more to this whole discussion. We will just step right into the middle of one of Walter Veith's seminars where he's discussing this exact, this precise subject matter and we're already warmed up and we're ready to hear. All
5: Masonic Masonic initiates, Muslim, what about Mason himself? Let's go to the best source in the world, Morals and Dogma, page 819. The blue degrees, that's the first three degrees of Freemasonry, are about the outer court of the portico of the temple. Part of the symbols are displayed there to the initiate, but he is, will you notice, intentionally misled by false interpretation. It is not intended that he shall understand them, but it is intended that he shall imagine he understands them. No wonder do they don't give this book to the lower initiates. That would freak them out, right? Their true explication is reserved for the adepts. The princes of masonry, the whole body of the royal and secret art, was hidden so carefully centuries since in the high degrees. There you have it. Only the high degrees know what is going on. This is all horse's mouth. Nobody can argue with that. I've had many Masons be very angry with me, but in the end I have to admit, this, this is the real McCoy. This is it. I know many, many Masons have become good Christians as a consequence of these lectures. So they are important. There are many, many people that belong to the Masonic fraternity. Many, many people. Masonry, like all the religions, all the mysteries, hermeticism, and alchemy, conceals its secrets from all except the adepts and sages or the elect, and uses false explanations and misrepresentations of its symbols to mislead those who deserve only to be misled. Basically stupid, is is using it to conceal the truth which it calls light from them and to draw them away from it. Truth is not for those who are unworthy or unable to receive it or would pervert it. So masonry jealously conceals its secrets and intentionally leads conceited interpreters astray. Morals and Dogma, page 104-105. There you have it. Straight from the horse's mouth. All that there is behind it. Do you remember that at the Tower of Babel, God separated the nations. Now, if you look at the headquarters of the United Nations in New York, this is really quite a fascinating building. It is large, and the name United Nations was coined by United States President Franklin D. Roosevelt. The forerunner of the United Nations was the League of Nations, and this was an organization in similar circumstances during the First World War and established in 1919 under the Treaty of Versailles to promote the international cooperation and to achieve peace and security. This comes straight from the UN webpage, so nothing strange about that. It's just plain history. Some more from that. In 1945, representatives of 50 countries met in San Francisco at the United Nations Conference on International Organizations, and they drew up the United Nations Charter. And those delegates, deliberated on the basis of proposals worked out by representatives of China, Soviet Union, United Kingdom, United States, at Dumbarton Oaks, United States in August October 1944, it was signed on 26 June 1945. 50 countries, Poland was not represented and became one of the original 51 member states. So it officially came into existence on the 24th of October 1945 when the charter was ratified by China, France, Soviet Union, United Kingdom, United States, and by a majority of the other signatories and every 24th of October they celebrate this founding of the United Nations. Now, let's have a look at this Charter of the United Nations. This is a very interesting piece of history. Well, Arthur Balfour, do you remember that name? We've used it before. Who was a member of Hort's Apostles? Remember Hort? This was the professor that... uh, helped to produce the Greek text that changed the emphasis of the Bible and removed many of the aspects of Jesus Christ's power and sovereignty from the Word of God. And the apostles were the secret society that uh, functioned And at that time, and Hort was a member as well as Arthur Balfour. Hort called this group a Senior Apostles Club, as well as President of the Psychic Research Society, Society for Psychic Research, soon became Prime Minister of England, Arthur Balfour, and instrumental in the First League of Nations. So, this this, uh, Prime Minister was also, of course, active in the writing of the original Charter of the League of Nations, much of which formed the basis for the United Nations. He not only headed the Society for Psychic Research, holding seances at his home, but he initiated a group called the Synthetic Society, whose goal was to create a one-world religion. That's a very interesting point of history. And he invited a certain Frederick Mayers of the Society of Psychic Research to join, and together they created the Preamble of All Religions, And it includes the dogma departed spirits can communicate. Obviously, if you belong to such a society, then that is part of the situation. So, built in somewhere over there was the wish to bring all religions together. Now let's have a look at some of the historic figures of the United Nations. Alger Hiss, he became the Acting Secretary General of the Establishment of the United Nations. The April 16, 1945 issue of Time magazine called him one of the State Department's brighter Young Men. It was Hiss and Joseph E. Johnson who later became Secretary of the Bilderbergers. So here we have all the secret societies again who wrote much of the United Nations Charter, so very high Freemasons, Bullerbergers, were responsible for this charter. Now we know what they believe, we've already had a lecture on that, and I would refer people back to that lecture, Patterning it after the Constitution of Russia, and the Communist Manifesto, this is very interesting. So the Constitution of the USSR is almost identical to the Constitution of the United Nations, for those... We did not know that, and there are all the references, everything that I say is referenced, I'm just reading, so please, nobody get angry with me, get angry if you want to with whoever set this thing up, I had nothing to do with it. Winston Churchill, The creation of an authoritative world order is the ultimate aim towards which we must strive and the United Nations form part of that. Charles de Gaulle was also instrumental. Nations must unite in a world government or perish. So the big figures involved had this philosophy. Then there was a man, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Trigger Lee. The first official UN Secretary General was a high-ranking member of Norway's Social Democratic Party which was by the way an offshoot of the third communist international and then came a man Doug Hammarskjöld and he was the second secretary general, he was a Swedish socialist he opened pushed communist policy and then came Thant, the third secretary general and he was a Marxist so here you can see how the philosophy in the beginning was programmed now I would like you to understand that this is not a method to go anti-capitalist because the United States was a signatory of this charter. So why would the United States actually sign something that was so obviously contrary to their own philosophy? Well, if you remember the Hegelian principle where two opposing viewpoints are set into the world and neither of them is really the viewpoint you want to achieve. What you really want to achieve is a synthesis between the two. So, what you see, actually, is you see socialists in the overriding capacity of secretary generals. Although, whether they have Marxist leanings or capitalist leanings, at that level doesn't make any difference. The method is just to bring about a synthesis, which is the desired government, Of all of them. So out of this chaos, you eventually get whatever you want broken cross and what it stands for. So these are the figures behind or the movers of the United Nations. A pope calling for such an order, the secretary-generals picking it up, reiterating it on both sides of the political divide so that uh, it would seem fair to both uh, sides of the philosophy. Now what about the spiritual aspect? There's one interfaith organization that is called the Temple of Understanding. And uh, it has a newsletter which is called World Goodwill Newsletter. Founded by Juliet Hollister in 1960, the Temple of Understanding has one of its goals, the creation of a spiritual United Nations. In its work to promote understanding between religions on the basis of the oneness of the human family. Sounds good! The temple has numbered among its members and supporters such influential world servers as the himself. Well, oh, there's the Secretary General. You can't go much higher than that. Eleanor Roosevelt. That's interesting. Thomas Merton. Yavron Nehru. Anwar Sadat. Uh, Radhakrishnan. In addition to the main center of New York. So these are the top movers. So this is not some sort of... Uh, little organization operating somewhere in the wings. This is a hub organization. And from where did they operate? Well, they were based at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine. They must be getting pretty boring by now, right? Always the same thing. The temple has active chapters in India, in the UK, representatives in Africa, Latin America, Asia, Middle East. This is a universal movement to bring all religions together. Now let's have a look at this interesting cathedral. There it is, the Cathedral of St. John the Divine. The cathedral is located at 112th Street in Amsterdam Avenue, one block east of Broadway, the largest cathedral in the world. That's also interesting. The Cathedral uh, Church of St. John the Divine in, in New York is the mother church of the Episcopal Diocese of New York and the seat of its bishop. Remember, that's where they had the female Christ and where they have the issue of uh, ordaining homosexual bishops and all kinds of interesting stuff happened at this episcopacy. Right, a little bit more history. Jim Garrison. President of the New Age Gorbachev Foundation, which was this foundation that was founded by Gorbachev in New York, he said, we are going to end up with the world government. It's inevitable. There's going to be conflict, coercion, and consensus. That's all part of what will be required as we give birth to the first global civilization. So that's the agenda that they have. Philip Jessup, a CFR member, World Court Justice, pretty high up people, writes, I agree that national sovereignty is the root of all evil. So nations will obviously have to relinquish their sovereignty to this organization without it appearing as if they are doing so. The Humanist Manifesto, two states, we deplore the division of mankind on nationalistic grounds. We have reached a turning point in human history where the best option to transcend the limits of national sovereignty and to be moved towards building a world community. That's Humanist Fat Manifesto 1 and 2. These are the official documents. Now this is a very interesting man, Robert Miller. He's the former... Assistant Secretary General to the United Nations, but uh, he is today the mover in the spiritual field within the United Nations. He's also called the prophet of hope of the United Nations. He wrote, we must move as quickly as possible to a one world government, a one world religion, under a one world leader. That's very, very interesting. So, these are the top movers Now the philosophy I'm always interested in what the philosophy is and who's behind it and again we pick up the same old names over and over and over again. in the Aquarian conspiracy by Nolan Ferguson, Ferguson a survey of new Age showed that the leading influence on their spiritual awakening was again Pierre Teilhard de Chardin do you remember who he was? Jesuit? You see, the uh, Catholicism, the Jesuits, uh, the top movers in the United Nations. Now, what did Robert Muller, the former Assistant Secretary-General, have to say? He wrote, Teilhard de Chardin had always viewed the United Nations as the progressive institution, institutional embodiment of his philosophy. Now, there is a Secretary-General saying, or well, undersecretary general, saying that the United Nations embodies the philosophy of Teilhard de Schardin. Now, what did Teilhard say? I've mentioned some of his philosophy. We'll look in a little bit more detail again. Teilhard wrote, Although the form is not, mes- not yet discernible, mankind tomorrow will awaken to a pan-organized world. An organized world. Well, okay, what else do you have to say? Tyler de Shining, influenced his companion, Father de Brevri, who inspired colleagues who started rich process of global and long-term thinking in the United Nations, which affected many nations and people around the world. Robert Muller says, I have myself been deeply influenced by Tyler. So the Under-Secretary General of the United Nations, who is today entrusted with the spiritual aspects of the United Nations plus its education program, says he's influenced by Teilhard Chardin. And Robert Miller writes, most of all they taught me happiness his work, he says, any Teilhardian will recognize in this the spiritual transcendence which he announced so emphatically as the next step in our evolution. So there's going to be a spiritual transcendence from what appears to be political over to the spiritual. Alright, we've already seen in a previous lecture that he was a French Jesuit priest, a Eugenist, a Marxist, a pantheist, the evolutionist. He might have even been involved in the Piltdown hoax. He was a humanist and the proponent of a one-world government, and he's the father of the new age. So he's a very prominent man, seems to have been very busy. He dreamed of humanity merging into God and each realizing his own Godhood at the Amiga Point. This belief has inspired many of the New Age leaders. In fact, Sardin is one of the most frequently quoted writers by leading New Age occultists. That we've had too when we discussed the New Age movement. But just to remind you, so we can merge into God, now what does that mean? Well, there's also an all-seeing eye and that symbol that we see over here in the Hittites is also the symbol if you look carefully of the United Nations which has the laurel wreath and which has the face up there which is just replaced with the earth now perhaps the best way to comprehend what the all-seeing eye represents is to examine the architecture of the meditation room of the United Nations building in New York the meditation room is shaped as a pyramid a trapezoid without the capstone Inside the room is dimly lit, but coming from the ceiling is a narrow but concentrated pinpoint beam of light which radiates down to a bleak stone altar. On the wall straight ahead is a breathtaking modernistic mural that is dynamically endowed with occult symbolism containing 27 triangles and various configurations, a mixture of black and white in colored background and a snake-like vertical line. At the center is the all seeing eye, which grips the millions of annual UN visitors with its stark, beckoning image of suspicion and omnipresent. This is the quote from Sex Mars, and some more quotes. The meditation room faces the morning. To enter the room, one must proceed from darkness into light, Indeed, the middle order of the satanic brotherhood is called the order of the trapezoid. That's very interesting. And Anton LaVey, who is the founder of the Church of Satan, refers to an occult principle known as the law of the trapezoid. So we seem to have a very occult room here, which is dedicated to a God that can be served under any name. The one that I know has one name. One name. One could tell several moving stories, like Robert Miller, the spiritual godfather, if you like, of the United Nations and the former uh, Under-Secretary General, one could tell several moving stories of the spiritual transformation of the United Nations as caused to the point that this little speck on earth is becoming holy ground. For example, the rational intellectual economist Doug Humuskopf found God at the United Nations, an inspiration for his work as a world servant in the mystics of the Middle Ages. Oh, so he didn't find it from the Bible, he found it where? From the mystics. Towards the end of his markings overflow with spirituality and mysticism. There you are, the words of the United Nations themselves or their representatives telling us how this inspiration came about. Now let's go back a little bit to Foster and Alice Bailey. These were Alice A. Bailey, the one who received dictated messages from Dwal Kuhl and who is known as the prophetess of the new age. They started a group called World Goodwill, an official non-governmental organization within the United Nations. The stated aim of this group is to cooperate in the world of preparation for the reappearance of the Christ. So, the United Nations, in other words, is an organization preparing to get all the religions, all the governments together, yes, but that is just on a political level. The agenda behind it is to bring all the religions together and to prepare it for the coming of Christ. Which Christ? not Jesus Christ but the cosmic Christ because Jesus Christ is not coming as we will see in a future lecture to do what they think it's going to happen. Their Christ wants to have a kingdom here on earth but God says my kingdom is not of this earth. Now let's have a look at this man. Robert Miller, there he is, Dr. Robert Miller, former Assistant Secretary General of the United Nations, Chancellor of the United Nations University of Peace, and his Chairperson of the Peace Party 2000. He's a very prominent man. What does he write? Robert Miller, decide to open yourself to God, to the universe, to all your brethren and sisters, to your inner self, to the potential of the human race, to the infinity of your inner self and you will become the universe, you will become infinity and you will at long last, you will be at long last your real, divine, stupendous self. They have the same philosophy, so what is he saying? That we can become gods. Alright, so that is the mover and the shaker of the philosophy of the United Nations. Robert Miller writes in World Core Curriculum the following. Now, this is stunning. The underlying philosophy upon which the Robert Miller School. Now, what is the Robert Miller School? We'll have like to come to that. Robert Miller School is the education program for the entire world as will be enforced by the United Nations. That's scary. It's real. The underlying philosophy upon which the Robert Miller School is based will be found in the teachings set forth in the books of Alice A. Bailey. Hello. The books of Alice A. Bailey were published originally by Lucifer Publishing Company, which, because of all the flack, they changed to Lucifer Trust. is that correct? The school is now certified as a United Nations Associated School providing education for international cooperation and peace. Okay, this is big business. So the philosophy is based on Luciferian channeled writings preparing for the coming of Lucifer. And remember what they said. They were quite open about it. A. Bailey claimed Evidence of the growth of human intellect along the needed receptive lines for the preparation of the new age can be seen in the planning of various nations and in the efforts of the United Nations to formulate a world plan. From the very start of this involvement, three occult factors have governed the development of all these plans. Now, can you see why I call the lecture the UN and the Occult Agenda? Because Alice a. Bailey says there were three occult plans and Robert Miller, Says, yes, we follow the writings of Alice a. Bailey. She did not spell them out, but she did state, within the United Nations is a germ and seed of a great international and meditating reflective group, a group of thinking and informed men and women in whose hands lies the destiny of humanity. Who? This is largely under the control of many fourth-ray disciples, if you could but realize it, and their point of meditative focus is the intuitional or buddhic plane, the plane upon which all hierarchical activity is today to be found. That's about as occult as you can get. What she is saying is that the inner core of the United Nations is controlled by people who are under the control of Lucifer what she's saying. She's saying it's good morning. And it's out of her words, not mine, I'm just reading. That's what's such fun about all of this. Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, founder of Theosophy. She was the forerunner, of course, of the Bailey books. And Theosophy was then taken over by Annie Ward-Bassant over here. And then taken over by Alice A. Bailey. And here is the great invocation that has to be read and learnt by every child in the future. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth from the point of love within the heart of God. Let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. But this Christ is not Jesus Christ. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men. Oh, how neat. It's so derogatory. The purpose which the masters know and serve. What arrogance. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwell. This is interesting. Which door is to be sealed where evil dwell? Well, if you know occult science, you'll know that they call light darkness and darkness light and they say that Jesus is the evil one. We read all those quotes when we did the lecture on that issue. They seal it all We evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Restore what plan? Restore whose plan? And who made it so that it is not restored? Well, who separated the nations? God separated the nations. What is the focus of the United Nations To Unite the nations. So they want to restore that, which the, in inverted commas, evil one, happened to mess up with one brilliant move of confusing the languages. Well, this goes to show, one word of God is confused for four and a half thousand years. Who's really in control here? Well, here's Annie Basant in a 33 degree Freemason regalia, Co-Masonry, remember we dealt with this issue, the Theosophy textbook te- teaches immortality, reincarnation, the deity of man, statements by this Dwald cool who also inspired Alice A. Bailey. He says, talks about Alice A. Bailey, know me still by another name in office, AAB, Alice A. Bailey knows who I am and recognizes me by two of my names. Now that's interesting because there are two names, and we will see the two names in a future lecture, what the names are, and then it gets very interesting. This is a detective story. It's a very exciting one. Well, the Bible says that there are spirits of demons working miracles which go forth to the kings of the earth and to the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great great day of God Almighty, Revelation 16, 14. Remember that? Elena Petrovna Blavatsky, the founder of this movement, of which Alice A. Bailey became the High Priestess, if you like, said Lucifer represents life, thought, progress, civilization, liberty, independence. Lucifer is the Logos, the serpent, the savior. It is Satan who is the God of our planet and the only one Then she talks about the Virgin, who is Satan, and Lucifer at the same time, and the Holy Ghost, all wrapped in one. So whether you call him Isis, or whether you call him Osiris, doesn't matter. Whether you call him Baal and Ashtoreth, doesn't matter. Two names. He always comes under two names, two principles. Alice A. Bailey, she succeeded Besant as leader of theosophy. Her husband was a 32 degree Freemason, and also, of course, part of Two world leaders are saying these things. And the United Nations, with its symbolism of this ancient laurel wreath around a globe, is nothing other than the emulation of an old pagan ideal which Lucifer once more wants to realize in the world that we live in today. As we have seen, the symbol of the United Nations is. Very similar to the old Hittite symbol where you had in the center the face of the sun god and now you just have a web, if you like, a spider's web, which is a symbol of Lucifer and the encompassing earth. And of course the laurel wreath was a symbol of all the ancient deities. So we find all for one All together now, We Are the World was the 50th celebration of the United Nations. The New Age agenda was to merge God and nature. That's what Talia Tashadine, the father of the philosophy of the UN, said. We must become pantheistic, eradicate male-female distinction, world peace, nuclear disarmament, one world government, one world religion. The organizations leading up to this, the United Nations of course, Council of Foreign Relations, Trilateral Commission, Bilderbergers, Gorbachev Foundation, and the Club of Rome. And they've already put up a constitution which is known as the Constitution for the Federation of Earth. So we already have a world constitution. Now, obviously, if you want to bring about a situation like that, you have to influence the education of the world so that the mindset and the thinking of people is changed. So education is a very important point. This comes straight from their own web pages. Wow, you cannot say this is hearsay. It comes straight from them. You know the oh. The world will not change and find peace if there is not a new education. You don't form a separate general of the United Nations. You need a new education. The old one's no good. The former director of the World Health Organization, Dr. Brock Chisholm, of course that's also a United Nations organization, says, to achieve world government it is necessary to remove from the minds of men their individualism. That's kind of scary, don't you think? Loyalty to family traditions. Oh! That's even worse. National patriotism and religion's dogma. Now, these are the movers of the United Nations. Your individualism must go, you must become a number. Just doing what the state says. This is Marxism. The state is supreme and you
0: are nothing but the catechumen. A or Nothing. And you must give up your individuality. So we had to stop it there. There's really no good place to stop his his seminar. It's pretty well put together and of course we'll add it in the notes and you can go ahead and watch it and, and take a look at what the actual occult and esoteric mystery religious, uh, religio occultic rituals are being expressed at the United Nations and what the actual original Luciferian and occult doctrines are actually at the founding of the United Nations and the non-government organizations that are underpinning and building up the entire structure there. and So you can see why as people who are um, Protestant Christians who are here in America to have our constitutional independence they obviously are interested in building a superstructure of international empire that's going to just transplant and remold the entire earth in in this Luciferian religious uh, doctrine that they're espousing, the secret doctrine if you will. And we wanted to do add all this information and make it available to you so you can understand how the, the different groups... It's so strange that Albert Pike started the Ku Klux Klan. And it's like the ultimate white brotherhood, white knight, knighthood group of, of, of fraternal order of white men. And it's used now as a point when you listen to CNN they always talk about the white nationalists and the the white rage and the angry white people who are out there and and so they've already created these opposition groups and they've already created the different kind of social engineering propaganda networks that are going to be in place in order to bring about the clash that they're looking for so they're always trying to find this kind of chaotic conflagration between the forces of black and white, between the, the orders of magic and the orders of different uh, uh, occult clubs and different esoteric mystery schools. We have to work hard to bring together all the different kind of information here and just kind of lay it out for you to take a look at. And uh, this is the kind of subject matter that's really boring and dry and doesn't seem to really have an interest. I mean, can you imagine going to one of these Theosophy uh, reading clubs about the world servers of the fourth ray, magical uh, powers of the, uh, you know, in in, in the sacred circle? I mean, just, you can see that it's, there are most. Like magical hippies, but they have a lot of power within the international world order, and their ideas are resonating within the inner working and the actual esoteric belief system that's taking place within the United Nations and their world goodwill programs, they seem really interesting and nice and they're created to be for the, the, the public out there not to really kind of grasp what their whole point is, so you're kind of being dumbed down as soon as you deal with the United Nations they're just kind of shining you on and giving you some nice rhetoric about planetary cosmic consciousness, but in the end they're really just trying to destroy America, and so you need to recognize you know how the enemies of the world that they're trying to create world catastrophe, and they have these world food programs, and everywhere they go, people are are starving and ha- having famines, and uh, they, they can't seem to uh, stop killing off the the people in Africa with Bill Gates and all of his weird um, medical programs and Ebola experiments that they do on these people, and they never get a break because they're interested in just world population control and having um, the Population under a billion, and so you can imagine how many people and how much control they have to have um, over our our lives and and everything that we do. So now we're moving towards transhumanism and the, the metaverse. And we have today the process of uh, abortion that's uh, just stealing the lives of m- tens of millions of babies all around the world. Primarily people of color are being sacrificed in this huge bloodletting of abortion. And they're now to the point now where they're, they're taking these 40-50 week old uh, blobs of flesh that are not really babies. Babies. they're not massacring infants they're not killing infant babies they're just blobs of tissue that's what they'll tell us and these blobs of tissue apparently have a lot of value because they have organs that have been pumping with blood and these are viable organs that can be grown and used all around the world to go into this world of transhumanism where we just change out body parts the way that you just switch out an oil filter in your car and so this is the age of the the mediverse according to a Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg if it were, whoever, you know, that rich guy is. You know, these guys are preparing themselves to try to live forever with this idea that they can just become part of the cyberized uh, future world like the Borg. So, in order just to wrap this up, let's listen to Chuck Missler. He's got a really interesting breakdown.
6: John Dewey. John Dewey's an interesting guy. When David Brees published a book, The Seven Men Who Rule the World from Their Graves, John Dewey, of course, is listed among them. And uh, much of our predicament today can be laid at his feet. I think history will show, ultimately. Uh, Anyway, uh, uh, C.F. Foster's work co-assigned in 1930. Education sets a most powerful ally of humanism in every American public school, a school of humanism. What can theistic Sunday schools, meeting for an hour once a week, teaching only a fraction of the children, do to stem the tide of a five-day program of humanistic teaching? Interesting insight. 1933, The Shape of Things to Come, H.G. Wells uh, publishes again, uh, predicts a Second World War around 1940, originating from the German-Polish dispute. That's kind of interesting in 1933. After 1945, there would be an increasing lack of public safety in criminally infected areas. The plan for a modern world state would succeed on its third attempt, about 1980, and come out of something that occurred in Basra, Iraq. Kind of an interesting perspective for a guy back in the early 30s. The book also says, although the world government has been plainly coming for years, although it has been... Feared and murmured against, yet found no opposition prepared anywhere. That's his predictive. Now, something else that most people are not aware of is the occultic link to all of this. In 1934, one Alice A. Bailey, the the Theosophical Society, published The Externalization of Hierarchy. She's an occultist whose works, she says, are channeled from a spirit
5: guide, the Tibetan master or demon spirit, to all cool. Bailey used the phrase point
6: of light in connection with a new group of world servers and claims that 1934 marks the beginning of organizing of men and women a group work of a new order with progress defined by service the world of the brotherhood the forces of light articles out of the spoliation of all existing culture and civilization the new world order must be built this book was published by the Lucifer Trust that was cha- it changes its name now to the Lucifer Trust because it's a little more valid. the Lucifer Trust of the United Nations a non-governmental organization, has been a major player at recent U.N. summits. Later, the assistant uh, secretary-general of the U.N., Robert Mueller, would credit the creation of his world-core educational curriculum to the underlying teachings of Jawal Kuhl via Alice Bailey's writing on the subject. Did you realize that our educational philosophies, which derived from Robert Mueller's work at the U.N., were uh, channeled by a demon spirit? That's kind of interesting. 1932, Plan for Peace by American Birth Control League founder, Margaret Sanger, uh, it was published, she calls for coercive sterilization, mandatory segregation, rehabilitative concentration camps for dysgenic stocks, including blacks, Hispanics, American Indians, and Catholics. We may laugh, I understand, and at the same time, realize what's being perpetrated. Interesting. October 28, 1939, in an address by John Foster Dulles, who later became the United States Secretary of State, he proposed that America lead the transition to a new order of less independent, semi sovereign states bound together by a league or federal union. And, of course, in 1939, H.G. Wells is at it again with the New World Order book and proposes a collectivist one-world state or New World Order comprised of socialist democracies.
1: He advocates universal conscription for service, declares that nationalist individualism is the world's disease.